Hello there. Welcome to Mountain Meister. I'm Ben Shank, your host. You are listening to what was supposed to be our live interview with Alex Honnold in New York City. Unfortunately, the live stream did not work. We had some problems with technology and a fiasco beforehand, which involves the New York City Veterans Day Parade. Uh, as I talk to you right now, I just cannot believe what happened yesterday. Uh, my arms are so sore. I feel like I just got hit by a car. You can read all about what happened on our website. Uh, there's a link to Expedition Honnold, it's called. Again, so sorry to everybody that joined the live stream but couldn't watch it. Fortunately, we got the audio, which is what you're about to hear. Um, my goal with this, and to be honest, it was rough at the beginning, but it picks up very quickly. Uh, my goal with this was to try to find topics that Alex hasn't talked about before. He gets interviewed all the time. Uh, I hope we did that successfully. I think we did. You can be the judge of it. Here it is. Alex Honnold live. Well, not so live, but here it is. Um, how close to this mic should I stay? I would say um, you're... As close as I can? Right, yeah, your Hello, face. Computer. Although it's picking up through the computer. Try it now. Can you hear me now? Now it's great. Yeah, that's that's nice. I'll just try to speak with vigor. Well, we are, I think, live. Hello, Alex. Thanks well, for joining hello. us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Though you came to me, so it's. Not, I came to you. Yeah. It's the other way around. You have yeah. quite the month coming up. Yeah. A book tour in one month. Yeah. Okay. Where's the Where's the next stop after this? Um, tonight to is area. New York City. Tomorrow, are you from Boston? Yeah, yeah, oh. out of Boston. So. Why don't you just do this in Boston? <laughs> Good question. Interesting. I'll take what I can get. Um, interesting. Um, yeah, the next two nights are around Boston, and then and then I think I go home for like a day, which is pretty amazing. You go home? Yeah, I think I have like one day in Sacramento. Cool. And then mm-hmm. uh, and then like Berkeley, you know, Denver, Boulder, Seattle, yeah. uh, San Francisco, Santa Barbara for some reason, L.A. Portland, Seattle again, Salt Lake, like, I don't know. All like, all in one month for the book tour? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. tiring. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but that allows you to climb more, I assume, taking the one month rather than... Yeah, yeah, the idea is blocking my schedule, so then the whole winter I have, like, open so I can actually go rock climbing. Cool, cool. So, let's first talk about the book, Alone on the Wall. Um, first book, How to Go, why write a book right now and not a year ago or a year from now? Um, well, I co-wrote it with David. I mean, basically it all has to do with David, David Roberts, who mm-hmm. co-wrote the book with me, um, who's written a ton of books and, um, you know, he's worked with some of my friends and, and he wrote a profile with me for Outside Magazine a while back. So, I mean, I already knew him and he knew my family and mm-hmm. and he approached me about doing a book together and it just seemed like the right opportunity. Yeah, you know? yeah, cool. It just seemed like the right time. Good. And uh, you're known as No Big Deal, um, I don't think I'm known as that. Other people think I'm known as that. Other people do. Yeah. Was it hard for you to write a book? Being well, no so that was deal? that was kind of the thing about doing it with David was that um yeah like stylistically he broke it into two parts like my voice and his voice and so he felt that having like a third person narrator which is his voice um would add the appropriate you know I don't know he felt like my voice would be too understated right which, you know right so um so he has his voice as like a third person narrator to like keep things in perspective I suppose but the the part in italics that's your writing yeah. correct. Yeah. So was it hard for did did he have to do a lot of you know reviewing on that writing to say like yeah hey, for you sure need to though elaborate. all of my uh, all of my chapters are like based on things that I've written 
Um, so they're all just like fleshed out versions of like articles or blogs or yeah. like things I've written in the past, which isn't so surprising because it covers like my most notable climbs, right. which I've written about over the years, like as I've done them. Yeah. So. so Moonlight Buttress, regular North Face of Half Dome, uh, I have Rainbow Wall and other Vegas climbing. Yeah. Um, and then Chad. Chad was an interesting experience for you, potentially yeah. uh, kind of change your direction or your Well, your s- sort of, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't have known it at the time. But, uh-huh. um, but yeah, my expedition to Chad certainly, like, changed my perspective a bit over, over the years. Can you talk about that? Like, why? Chad was sort of my first experience with, like, full-on third-world poverty, like, seeing, you know, that there are, like, a billion people on Earth with living in totally different conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was my first time going to a country where I was, like you know, it made me wonder what the term country actually means. You know, I was like, if there no, if the government provides no services and there's no, you know, I was like, what is a boundary? And like, what is, if there's no rule of law and like no services and no infrastructure and like nothing, you know, it's basically just like wild West stone age living. You're just like, it's pretty crazy. So, um, anyway, I was like, wow, there's a whole different side of the world that I've never seen. Mm -hmm. So the vast majority of your climbing is not free solo. Um, yeah, which was part of the appeal of writing this book was to sort of show that, there's a lot more to my overall climbing than like just the solos that you see on YouTube and stuff. Was that one of the motivations behind the content of the book? Yeah, I mean that was definitely one of the motivations for for the book. Um, and I mean it's funny because the book still focuses on soloing quite a bit, but oh, I mean that's because the soloing, picture on the front cover is yeah, but it's a beautiful soloing. picture. I mean that's that's the thing is <laughs> yeah. that soloing soloing's like candy, you know? It's just like yours is so easy. You just go to it because it's like oh, that's nice. Everybody likes it. It's like fun. Um, but the thing is, I mean, the big solo sense that I've done are some of the most significant climbs to me. I mean, it is the most important stuff to me, but hopefully the book puts that into the greater context of my overall climbing. Yeah. You know, just like all the other expeditions I've done, the traveling, the like, the different partners, the big link-ups, the speed climbing, like all these different types of climbing that I'm into. Um, you know, so hopefully it kind of puts it in the right place. It does. I, I mean, I think it does. Um, but does it bother you that that's what, how people know you? I mean, like... People know you from soloing, not necessarily. Like, does it, do, do people ever want the Alex Honnold only for soloing and no other Alex Honnold? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I basically I don't really care. You know, you I mean, care. people okay. if people want to think of me as just a soloist or just a whatever, I'm like, that's fine. As long as I get to go climbing all the time, as long yeah. as I get to do. And the thing is, like, any kind of like hardcore climber, like anyone who's like deeply in the community sort of knows the other things that I'm doing. Basically, like, as long as I can impress my friends, then it's fine. You know, like, as long as I can do or impress myself, you know, like, continue to push my own climbing and 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 do things that I find challenging or do things that my friends find impressive, yeah. you know, things like that. Like, I don't really care what, like, the... Like, some random dude watching a YouTube video, like, d- his opinion does not matter to me. It doesn't. You know? Did it ever? Are no. You ever? Never? No. Okay. I mean, it's always come down to, like, being proud of myself and then... I mean, I hate to say impressing my friends because that sounds too, like, cavalier, but that's basically it. You know, yeah, basically, like, you know, doing something meaningful within your core community, I guess. I mean, I think that's a motivation for everybody, no matter who you are, right, to to impress people, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I guess, but but it's not just impress people. The thing is, like, you know, I mean, right now there's the freaking Veterans Day parade going on outside, Mm -hmm. and, like... I could easily impress people on the street by just hanging out the window. Right, You know, right, people right. would be like, that's crazy, that's so amazing, but that's like a stunt. Like, that wouldn't impress me because I know that's totally trivial and, like, easy and, like, not a real challenge at all. Uh-huh. And it, like, certainly wouldn't impress my friends because they'd be like, that's douchey, like, why are you doing that? Uh-huh. You know, so it's not like you're just trying to impress people because, I mean, that's, like, that's easy. The hard thing is to do something that's actually meaningful that, like, you know, is truly, truly difficult. 
people have said, or and you have said too, your skill isn't that you don't feel fear. Your skill is that you're maybe able to compartmentalize fear a little bit more, especially when you're high on the wall. Has there ever been a time that you couldn't do that? Um, yeah, actually. So, I mean, I did like eight radio inter- interviews back to back yesterday. Like, and uh, so everyone's talking about fear. And, and um, if anything, I feel like my answer slightly changed from like compartmentalizing fear to uh, saying that it's basically like a learned, a learned ability, you know, that I picked up over time. And again, that's another thing that I was trying to get at in the book is just how much preparation, how much practice, like yeah. just how many years of buildup there are for all these sorts of things. Right. And so when the time comes, it's not like, you know, it's not like I have to overcome massive fears. Like when the time comes, my, my comfort zone is big enough that it just doesn't seem scary anymore. So, is the idea. Yeah. So like preparing the first one in the book, you talked about Moonlight Buttress and now yeah. you're just inside of your van mapping out every single um, move that you had to make. Right. Yeah. Is preparation still the same for you as far as like preparing for a free solo climb? Are you still visualizing the night before? Because, for example, in Chad, you were doing. But that stuff is first. super easy, so it doesn't okay. really matter. So were I you mean, prepared for those? In Chad? Yeah. Would you no, say in Chad, you don't need to. You just look at the wall. It's like 100 feet of, like, up. easy-looking something, and you just figure it out. But the yeah. thing is, in, in Chad, um, I mean, I backed off a bunch of towers, too. You I'd did. climb halfway up, and I'd be like, this is terrible rock, and I'd climb back yeah. down. Actually, I think one of the photos in the book is me backing off the tower in Chad um, because the rock was terrible. And I was just like, I don't want to do this. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's different. Like, visualizing Moonlight Buttress is like a whole different scale. I mean, that's something that's never been done before. It's like monumental. It's like a big step for me personally. It like seemed pretty hardcore. And so, you know, that takes a lot for me to like wrap my mind around, you know, looking at some arbitrary tower in Chad and being like, Oh, I'll check it out. And if it's not so good, I'll come back down. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like, doesn't really require that big of a mental, mental leap. Yeah. You know? So what, I mean, you've gotten lost on routes before, or at least lost the route while you're soloing, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure hearing that somebody might say you weren't prepared yeah that's fair but i mean or you could say that i was you know experienced enough to be able to deal with it you know what i mean like taking a wrong turn on something yeah yeah i mean like you don't have to do it perfectly you just have to do it you know well enough (laughs) um yeah it just depends i mean it's i've never like gotten off route really on any of the like really big significant solos Mm -hmm. that mattered you know it's not as if i ever get to the hard parts and i'm like oh what do i do now you know because those are the parts you have to be prepared for i've heard you talk about flow before um do you know that uh like yeah you mean for like entering a flow state yeah right 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 so with soloing i guess your your challenge level's high and your skill level's high for you why aren't you doing harder routes on your solos do you find yourself wanting to raise the challenge level even further and do harder routes so you can achieve kind of that well i mean i think if if there's anything in the book it's that you're constantly seeing like a progression in climbing i mean like more complexity or more difficulty i mean the book sort of builds from like moonlight budgets which is relatively simple i mean it's difficult climb but it's like simple and then you know culminates with like the fits traverse which is like anything but simple you know it's like days and days of like super complicated climbing and like really challenging terrain Mm -hmm. um so i mean i think that's exactly what you mean you know constantly upping the challenge so how do you not push it too far well i mean that's the that's the delicate balancing act i mean so far i've done a good job of it but yeah i mean you never know until until i'm like 85 dying in my bed or something and then i'll be like i did it you know (laughs) i successfully treaded that line do you do you worry about that i mean you're you're probably at the peak of your physical fitness right now but as you get older um trying to stop yourself from going after something when you're maybe not no i mean 
No. It's pretty easy to, to tell. I mean, it's easy to gauge your physical fitness, and it's easy to climb something and see how you feel on it. And it's, um, I mean, I'm not worried about, like, accidentally going up on something too hard because, you know, all it takes is climbing once with a rope to be like, wow, that feels really hard. Uh-huh. You know, it's not as if you – know, I'm not delusional. You know, I'm not like, wow, no, I'll, just, right, right. I'm, I'll just be so strong. You're like, you know, I know what I can do. Uh-huh. But – is there any data out there on free soloing? Or? Mm, I don't think so, really, no. Nothing, okay. Um, though my favorite statistic is that no soloist has ever died pushing the limits of soloing. Like, no soloist has ever died doing anything cutting edge. Right, well, you made that point at the end of the, I think it was at the end of the book, when you said that if you're going to see, if somebody's going to die, you think that it's going to be from very casual terrain yeah, versus yeah, pushing I mean, the limits. A lot of articles will be like, oh, so many high-end soloists have died, but then most of them have died in, like, freak things unrelated to climbing. Or, or un- unrelated to soloing, anyway. Okay. And then a couple of them have died on very easy solos. Only two, really, I think. And so, I mean, it's all just how you how you look at the numbers. Right. I mean, you still do easy terrain soloing, right? Uh, very how little, do you, actually. Very little. I don't, I don't do that much easy soloing anymore, mostly because there's not that much for me to gain from it. And... Um, and I just would rather spend my time trying to do harder things, yeah. like sport climbing or bouldering. Or what about on your 29th birthday? That was pretty easy soloing, wasn't it? For yeah, that was easy, but that was like one was big day. Course. You okay. know, like in in the year 2014, I sold Sendero Luminoso, which is like a big hard route that I was super proud of. I sold the University Wall in Squamish, which, and then also Romantic Warrior and the Needles, both of which are like so hard, cutting-edge routes that I'd always cared that, about. That and then I also did my birthday challenge, which was like 290 pitches of, of easy climbing yeah. in a day. And I mean, I think that's, I think that was pretty much all I did that year. Yeah. You know, so it's basically like four days of soloing, all of them like pretty significant for me. I mean, even though the birthday challenge is easy, I mean, it's just a lot, you know, so I was definitely like on my game the whole time. Okay. So how do you stay on your game though? I mean, it it just seems like it it might be easy to get complacent sometimes, you know, and we've heard that from other athletes before too, you know, like these uh, skiers, for example, who don't think that they're in this really dangerous avalanche terrain and then the avalanche happens how do you constantly stay focused i don't know so with the easy terrain with the soloing i mean at least during my birthday challenge in a way it's like i don't quite need to stay focused i mean i mean maybe i do maybe if you know maybe it's that important but like climbing five five slab in my tennies it's just like if i stumbled or something i'm pretty sure i would self-arrest you you know or, or like jump and slide and you know stick it yeah i don't know i mean which might not be the case i might just like fall to my death yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But, I mean, the thing is, when you're doing it, it seems easy. I don't What about when some people in the climbing community, um, I, I think Tommy Caldwell said this, they don't really agree with soloing. Um, how do you feel when other professional climbers and well-regarded people? Yeah, uh, it's funny. I've had a bunch of people be like, oh, Tommy Caldwell thinks that soloing is really dangerous. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. I hang out with Tommy, like, all the right, time. Right. And we've, like, hiked in and out of Patagonia, like you know going on a six-hour hike with somebody obviously we've like talked about all this kind of stuff and i mean so the quotes that they get used in some of the articles and in the book and stuff very selective yeah it's pretty selective i mean you know it is true that tommy thinks that it's irresponsible to solo or he certainly thinks that for himself it would be irresponsible Mm -hmm. to solo because um yeah he just feels like the risk is too high and um i mean you know all the quotes are there like he says all that but then i mean it's slightly more complex because it's not like when he's chatting with me it's not like he's condemning my actions i mean like you shouldn't do that he's just kind of like well i would never do that and i don't think it's right and i'm like that's fine you know um so going back to the media doesn't it bother you then that people have this perception of what happens and it's not the truth no i don't really care i mean it's not that important I, I feel like it would bother me so much. I get so scared to 
put something out there because I feel like I'm going to be wrong. And because I don't want like the I don't want something false to get out there. And it seems like that. I gave up on that a long time ago. I mean, climbing films and media, I mean, media in general is all like full of falsehood, you know, and as long as it's like close enough or like in film, you know, as long as it tells the story, whatever that means, you know, as long as it like conveys the experience, I'm like, that's fine. Like, it doesn't need to be. Is it an issue that these climbing films are showing like six minute highlight reels of like whatever is the most rad or. Doesn't bother me. I mean, as a kid, I watched all those six-minute highlight reels, and they got me inspired to, like, climb hard and push myself and whatever. And so, you know, I used those to great effect, I guess. You know, like, I watched all those films. I got super inspired. I trained really hard, and now I can climb well. And so I'm like, you know what? If other people want to use these same highlight reels, I'm like, power to them, you know? Um, But it's not I'm, like, extremely cynical about media now because it's just not, I don't know. It's all just sort of a creation to some extent. I'm like, that's fine. You know, we're all just does telling it, stories. Yeah, but does it have to be that way? I mean, I, I, mean, uh, I it's kind of, I don't know if this is awkward because I'm part of the media, but yeah. it, it annoys me when we only see part of the story. And that's kind of why but the I, thing is, is that because book. everybody wants like, everybody wants the easy, you know, s- like, I mean, if you want the full complex issue, then you have to hang out with somebody for a long time. You mm-hmm. have to like you know spend a ton of time and like same with any issue if you really want to understand it you have to put a ton into it and like really dive deep and like think about it and you know it takes a lot and i don't know if anybody really cares that much particularly for climbing clips like does it have to be literally true it's like no you just want to see the story get fired up go out and do your own climbing like Hmm. you know i mean it's not it's not world peace or anything it's not like some huge issue it's just like getting inspired to go climbing yeah fair enough i don't know yeah i'm I mean, so that really bothered me at first, like when I first started doing climbing clips, yeah. you know, I was like, oh, but this isn't what actually happened. And then I was like, in reality, I'd rather just go do my climbing myself and then go back and pose things later for the, the camera and have like a clear delineation right. between like working and, and personal climbing. And then, you know, as long as the final film product, you know, shares the experience well and tells like the appropriate story or whatever, okay. I don't know. Okay. It all seems fun. So, I mean, you're... Mom, I said, um, she's okay with this. I'm wondering, there are probably some other soloists out there whose families aren't okay with it. If you're... You I don't, you so, don't strangely so? enough, so last night I did my first, like, full-on book tour stop in New Hampshire. Yeah. And um, several members of Dean Potter's family were there, actually. Ooh, okay. And in the Q&A at the end, they asked me, like, what was your relationship with Dean? Or, like, or, like what did you think about Dean's climbing? And I was like oh, like, that's a complex question, you know, especially with his family there and especially with, like, him just having had his accident and, um, well, you know, having just died in a terrible accident. And it was, like, I mean, I basically just laid it all out because, I mean, I had a complex relationship with Dean and, like, you know, our history and, you know, intertwined climbing and all that. And, um, yeah, and I think it was his cousin, um, you know, and then some of the kids and everything. And, you know, he appreciated the answer and I think he appreciated the candor that I just, like, laid it out. Like, I mean, here's the whole deal with Dean. But I didn't get the impression that his family looked down on his choices in any way, even though they ultimately led to, to a terrible accident. Um, you know, I mean, that's they're just like, Cousin Dean, that guy was a wild man, okay. you know? Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I'd like to hope that my family sort of used it the same way, that I'm just, like, doing my thing, and, you know, hopefully I won't have, a, have an accident. But, you know, if I do, it's like, well, I certainly made my choices. You right. know, it's yeah. not... It's not as if I'd be like, surprise, like, oh, that's, you know, didn't see that coming. I think, well, I mean, I talk to my mom all the time about taking risks and things like that. And I don't know if, is there a point where the risk goes too high? Like, 
the thing that you love happens to be, well, as you say, high consequence, not necessarily high risk. Yeah, yeah. Is there a point when you should stop doing something that you love because it's too risky? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of my friends who've gotten into base jumping and wingsuiting, um, I right. mean, I feel yeah. like they should stop because it's, like, to me, clearly too risky. But they love it. Yeah. And, you know, sky crack, as they say. But, the so, same pe- but other people are saying the exact same thing to you. Yeah, but they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> right, right. So Except, um, I don't know. I mean, the statistics don't really play out that way. I mean, with climbing, I, like, basically not that many people die climbing. There mm-hmm. aren't that many accidents. So even though it looks outrageous, like, like it's not actually that dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly when you're doing it, you're not like, oh, my God, I could die at any second. Whereas, like, with base jumping, you know, it's all just, like, way more extreme. And the numbers certainly don't lie with base jumping. Exactly, like, everybody yeah. does die. You know, basically everybody either dies or quits, and that's it. You know, it's, like, this crazy. Yeah. You know, there are no old base jumpers. What is it? No old climbers and bold climbers, but no old no, bold yeah, climbers. Yeah, there are so. old climbers and there are bold climbers. Right, right, but, right. But, but that's the saying for any sport, you know, that's right, fine. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, paragliding, you meet a lot of old guys floating around in their paragliders, you know, and you're like, oh, what a casual sport. Like, that seems pretty chill. Right, right. You don't see any old guys going base jumping, you right. know, partially yeah. because the sport's younger, but the, kind of, but also just because they all freaking die. It's interesting to hear you say that because everybody, I don't know, we've talked about this before on the show that people have a tendency to draw the circle around themselves and say, I'm the exception, you know, like everybody mm-hmm. else is saying mm-hmm. that this is too risky, but yeah, I yeah. know what I'm doing. I'm an above average driver. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Everybody's yeah. an above average driver. 75% yeah, exactly. of people say they're an yeah. above average yeah, yeah. driver. Which no, no, but I actually sense. am. <laughs> yeah. Um, Not the case. I mean, I well, mean I don't you, know. you have a track record to prove that you're above average. Um, driver question, or rock climber? Rock climber. Yeah, I, I was like say. driving, not so much. But um, but yeah, with rock climbing, I don't know. I mean, I think that if you took a serious look at numbers of people climbing and accidents, yeah. like I don't think it's that dangerous compared to a lot of other extreme sports. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like I was saying with free soloing, like nobody's ever died pushing the limits of soloing. But like that certainly can't be right. said for like wingsuiting or like base jumping or, or like say free diving or like other sort of right. fringe sports where like people actually do die trying to set world records right. and stuff. Yeah. But. Thank you for. I don't know if you know you took a survey that we built. We're working on a survey oh, yeah. with uh, Duke University. Yeah, 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 we're, yeah. We're totally. trying to that was supposed to be anonymous. <laughs> well, yeah. I saw your email. Yeah. I don't know what your responses oh, were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's. Uh, it was funny because that was all about risk taking or whatever. Right. And, right. Uh, and they had a thing with free soloing. I'm pretty sure it was my picture. It was you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's you. fucking me. I'm taking. The, <laughs> I'm taking the survey. It was pretty funny. I was like, huh. Um, it was interesting though because I felt like I would have thrown off the results of like whatever that survey was because it was like you know talking about extremely risky behavior and then like would you do this would you not and so uh-huh. like when it was you know like wingsuiting or free diving or like all these other random things I'm like oh no out of the question I'd never do that but mm-hmm. then it's like oh free soloing I'd obviously well, do that well that's kind of the point of the but survey like, is to but I wonder if the survey properly differentiates between mortality and all the different sports you know like high altitude mountaineering versus right, freedom right Dude, right the freaking drum wow like, lots like, of activity uh, on the veterans day parade thank you to all our veterans by the way <laughs> yeah, for yeah, their service yeah. to our country <laughs> Dude, coming in here, there was, like, uh, veterans of the Korean War walking by. It was a yeah. bunch of really old Korean guys with flags. and It was actually, like, quite moving. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway. Wow. It's pretty cool. Huh. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about the foundation, Honnold Foundation. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is maybe one of the benefits of all this media exposure. Um, yeah. Is that you can spread the word about this. Um, and that's part of why I started the foundation was just because I was like, well, if I'm going to be diving into crazy media land, I may as well like use it to, to some good effect. Yeah, right, right, right. So that happened 
because of what you saw in Chad, um, eventually, right? Sort of, and also just years of reading environmental nonfiction and, like, worrying about the the fate of the world and all that kind of stuff, you know? What book are you reading right now? Um, I know you're a big reader, right? Um, yeah, I actually just finished my book um, on the plane. Um, <laughs> For how, how many times? Or well, that's the no, I hadn't. Okay. Uh, yeah, I hadn't read the final like gotcha. Okay, front to back, like full on. Because the thing is, when you're reading and editing and writing, you know, it's all like chunks at a time, and it's like word documents, and you don't get the feel of like flipping pages gotcha. and like reading the whole document. Um, so yeah, it was the first time I'd actually read the entire like from beginning yeah. to end. What'd you think? Um, <laughs> it's good. Uh, you know, it's all I right. I liked it. I really, really liked it. Uh, no, it's good. Um, um, I th- I'm too close. Like, you know, reading your own work or, like, watching your own film or any of those things, I'm like, ah, oh, it's too much. Like, I don't know. I'm not into it. But hopefully other people enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, and then I'm reading uh, Reinventing Fire, which is, like, um, this book from uh, the Rocky Mountain Institute about, like, the U.S.'s transition to clean energy, basically. What is coming up in the future for Honold Foundation? Um, so just two months ago, we were in uh, Angola in Africa, and um, same deal. We were doing off-grid solar, trying to help people get lights and batteries in their home. Um, and so we'll probably do a project similar to Angola next year, but hopefully scale it up a little bit more. Um, though Angola was kind of our first time doing something more directly through the foundation, not just like tacking onto somebody else's project. Angola was like, okay, we have this vision of what we want to do, and then we like found a partner to like make that happen. Um, as opposed to the other way around, you know, seeing what other people are doing and then just like helping okay. them with it. Right, right. And how how did that go? Uh, I mean, time will tell what impact it had overall. But um, I mean, there is there's currently like nobody doing solar work in Angola, um, uh-huh. partially because it's like hard to get. To, I mean, there are a lot of factors, but basically nobody's doing work there right now. And so we sort of wanted to like break into the the market a little bit and just show that that it was possible. And so um, we found a, a for-profit partner, and we imported a bunch of systems into the country, um, solar systems, such as, like, a panel, a battery, and some light bulbs, LEDs, um, you know, little 40-watt panels. They can, like, charge your phone, charge their okay. or power their lights. Um, and so we installed – well, basically, we imported 100 systems in the country, which is, like, basically 100 families getting light. Though it turned out being more than that because, like, one of the systems we installed um, was on, like, a guy's hut, but it's, like, a single-room hut. So then, you know, one bowl went in his – his hut one bulb went into his daughter's hut next door one bulb and the other daughter next door to that and then one outside for like just you know nighttime community and we went back at night it was like three families now have light plus the whole village is hanging out outside like under this one bulb and you're like it's pretty remarkable that like one 40 watt panel is now giving three families light at night you know plus the village hangs out and you're just like that's so crazy you know yeah Yeah, like the impact that one tiny little system has Uh um so anyway the the trip to angola um no matter what, we at least distributed 100 systems, which, you know, you're like, that's, a you know, 100 to 300 families, which is pretty crazy, you know, to think, like, it's a lot of people being able to, like, read at night or, like, do whatever. And a lot of people not burning kerosene in a confined space, which right. is horrible for their health and, and extremely expensive and hard for the environment. Um, so that's, like, the bare minimum of our project. But then um, um, our partner, B-Box, which is um, this British company, like, they wound up having a meeting with the Minister of Energy because... Um, I mean, it's kind of a complicated story, but um, the best climbing in Angola was on this guy's property that was, like, this five-star resort, like, oh, eco-lodge thing. Okay, I didn't know And that so this, the guy that owned it was, like, this big businessman who, like, owns the shipping and stuff in Angola. And uh-huh. so he got interested in the project, and then he coordinated a meeting with the Minister of Energy, and they're like, we should scale this up and do more off-grid solar stuff. So we'll kind of see, like, what comes of that, you know, leveraging the different relationships. Gotcha, and, gotcha, gotcha. Um, 
either way, it was a cool opportunity to get some solar into Angola and like get people talking about it and just we'll see if it goes anywhere or not. But um, but so I think next year we'll try to do a similar project on a bigger scale um, in somewhere else in Africa. Somewhere else in Africa. Okay. Yeah, I mean, how do you probably, decide where to go? Um, somewhere where there's need, you know. Okay. So um, and then somewhere where there's good climbing, you okay, know. There, yeah, just okay. to um, so we were thinking about Ethiopia, which is um, projected to be one of the most populous countries in Africa, but yeah. currently nobody's really doing Didn't solar work Micah there. Micah Burkhart climb there. Yeah, she's right? Micah, and so I actually saw her on the f- on my plane like two days ago. Oh, okay. Chatted yeah. with her a bunch, and she was actually saying that Mozambique would be a better choice. Okay. So um, it's on my to do list to like email her and follow up because uh-huh. um, because she has a nonprofit doing some work in Mozambique with um like uh biodiversity stuff okay. and um which isn't really my passion but um but she was saying that they really need you know solar like energy access and so it'd be a perfect partnership to like work with her and right. do something there and she said that the climbing is off the hook before we give away some books to audience questions who knows if people can even hear us right now i'm not I know. sure how do we, yeah how do we tell if it's working well it looks like it is um, I mean, the green lights flashing yeah really mean so that. hopefully people have been able to hear us the whole head, time like peeking from behind oh, the monitor <laughs> <laughs> Um, our like friend little, over there, a little gnome hiding in the corner. Yeah. Um, so we're giving away five signed copies, I believe of alone on the wall. Um, we'll be opening up to audience questions. If you haven't submitted a question yet, do so on the discussion forum at the bottom of this page. Um, final question for you on the well-known 60 minutes piece mm-hmm. in 2011. I think they finished it with you saying that you're not going to stop free soloing um because you get too old or anything yeah i'll stop because i lose the passion or yeah not is motivated. that still true um i think so i mean i am too old now and i'm yet i'm still climbing no <laughs> you're um, not too old i don't know you're just sitting near peak right 30 yeah, years old yeah yeah we'll see yeah. um yeah no i mean things the same thing okay. i mean i did the 60 minutes piece in 2011 and since then i mean i've obviously done a lot of you know many other hard solos um so i've still been still been motivated but and we'll what see. is next in free solo climbing? Maybe not for you, or maybe for you. I think uh, you talked about the nose, correct? No, not the nose, or, just El Cap in general. They're sorry, El Cap. The nose okay. will probably never, ever be solid, no. just because it's, like, too hard and too, okay. and the style is too insecure. Like, I doubt anybody. Well, you know there's the Star well, Trek movie with Captain Kirk soloing the nose? Have you uh, seen that? No, no, I didn't. Uh, it's from, <laughs> uh, you know, it's old no. school. It's, uh, there's the... It's one of the original Star Trek movies, you know, like Star Trek okay. 6 or something. Uh-huh. But so, like, Captain Kirk is soloing the nose, and uh, and Spock has, like, some hover boots behind him, you know, and he's, like, heckling him, like, why would you do something? Were you sure, you know, they're so risky or whatever? And then and then Kirk, like, falls off, and then Spock, like, dives and saves him, you know? Okay. It's, you got to see it. It's like a classic. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic scene. Never seen that. Anyway, free soloing all cap. It's pretty rad. Okay. Um, um, is it going to happen? And is it going to be I don't you, know. Or well, it I mean, it'll, it'll obviously happen. Like, right. eventually it will. Um, if nothing else, just because in 20 years, like, free climbing all cap will probably be quite easy, mm-hmm. you know? Like, already, like, average people just show up and free climb all cap, like, you know? Average rock climbers. Um, yeah. Yeah, not like tourists. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, I mean, at some point, somebody will. Um, yeah. Maybe it'd be me, maybe it won't. I don't know. You're secretive um, with your projects, though, right? Well, it's not just being secretive, but well, it's also just like... Well, not getting a lot of hype around Well, I don't know. I mean, I've thought about all cap, like, for years, and every year yeah. I look at it, and I'm like, that's really scary, and then I just never have. Um, well, I've, yeah, it's not like I never... It's like I've never even wanted to, really. Or I've mm-hmm. always wanted to, but then always been like, that's too scary. I mean, I think anybody seriously thinking about that... Uh, you know, I mean, it's pretty extreme. Like, walk to the base and you're like, whoa, like, that's that's pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I don't know. I mean, there are tons of hard things in Europe. There are like, you know, hard walls in the Dolomites. There's, um, I mean, a lot of the passion for hard, hard soloing comes from like having a history with the route or having, um, you know, just like the culture, the climbing culture that you're raised in, you know, like I'm from California. So obviously I'm very Yosemite centric, but somebody from Europe is probably like Chamonix centric or, or more into the Dolomites or whatever, you know? Right. right. Um, so we'll just kind of see like who gets passionate about what and what gets climbed. Alex, thank you so much for yeah. for being here with us. My today. pleasure. We're gonna look. I don't have internet connected to this computer, um, so we're gonna look at it on my phone. You mean you, people are just texting you questions? Yeah, <laughs> like your yeah. your uh, your two friends are like, "Hey, that's it. Ask him about that one time." <laughs> yeah. um, and you're gonna decide, Alex, if the question is good enough okay. to win the book. Yeah. Okay. Um, Wait, I'm only. I'm just gonna say beforehand. Then I'll only give books to to somebody who's question i don't haven't heard before or that i'm somewhat interested by okay um so if you if you <laughs> I didn't mean, hear that it's like if people did, you know do whatever you need for your shot because <laughs> i mean the cameraman's like, getting in there um okay oh yeah look yeah this is like so meta <laughs> this way they're getting google hangout through the red cam that's like even better wow is is that a is that a uh, is that a dragon I want to be digested by the dragon. That's what it's called when people watch it through the monitor. <laughs> All right, here we go. Question okay. from Roger Grizel. How does a climber know when he or she is ready to solo? What advice does Alex have for someone? Oh, I to saw know, that one the other day. To know when um, they are mentally ready to. Because when the I posted your thing, I skimmed the list and oh, I was okay. like, "Nah, I took a look." Yeah. Um, and I was instantly like, "Oh, I don't really want to answer that because I don't really want anything to do with like encouraging anybody to solo That's or very like, telling people." Yeah. Because I'm just like. Mostly, I felt like if you want to solo things and you feel ready, then you should. And it shouldn't really matter what other people say about being ready or not. Uh huh. You know, it's one of those things where you're like, if you have to ask, then you're probably not ready. Right. <laughs> or, well, I, I've, I think I forget if you said this in the book or somewhere else, but like, you're somebody who goes twenty, like once they reach twenty feet up on the wall. Yeah, or exactly. Any, anybody can be like, I want to be a soloist, and they can climb a little ways, and then they can be like, Wow, that's really yeah, scary! It's like, turns good, out I don't right. want to do that. Like, it's messed up. Okay, but good. Does yeah. Roger get a book? No, no. <laughs> Though Come I, appreciate, on, Raj. I appreciate the spirit, but also you shouldn't give me the names because what if I know anybody? You know, then I'm biased. Well, Just here's somebody that you might know, um, Deirdre. Um. Yeah. Is she says salut mon petit. Oh, Where would you dear. love to climb with your mom this year besides Yosemite? I'm, I'm definitely not answering that. You're not answering that question? No. Like, my mother can communicate with me in normal ways, not through podcasts and stuff. I think it's fine if you communicate to yeah. Alex through our, through this podcast. But no, my mother should just call me like a normal person. So your mom's not going to win a book? No, mother does not get a book. <laughs> she can go buy a book at retail. <laughs> no, don't worry. She already has a book. Okay, um... Spirit, <laughs> Spirit Bear says, "Have you learned to disarm landmines in Angola?" <laughs> See, like you shouldn't give him the names because I know him. <laughs> right, you know? right. This but, is, this but is. I would, I would give him a book just because I know he's too poor to buy one. But <laughs> Stacy Bear Meister from five episodes ago, maybe we talked to him about uh, yeah. the whole Angola trip. So yeah, yeah, but that's not Stacy. Oh, it's not. Stacey. Well, the Spirit Bear is. Or maybe it is. I don't know uh, if it was. But the spirit bear is uh, is Jason Kruk. Oh, okay. So from, I. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, Jason's not getting a book, or he is. Oh, I don't know. I feel like he could. He um, but no, I have. Oh, well, no, I have learned how to disarm landmines. Kind of. I mean, okay. I learned the gist of it. Okay. Um, you basically dig them out very carefully, and then you pile them up, and then you blow them up. Right. Okay. 
That's but I got nice. a whole tutorial and I took photos of the big hole and I saw all kind of ordnance. It was like pretty interesting actually. I did not realize how much work it is, like how laborious it's, it is to, to yeah. pull out landmines. It's, it's not crazy. Like well, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Movies. Yeah, I don't think I've seen movies like it's the ultra boring footage. I was thinking of footage. like the Hurt Locker road bombs. I don't know if you've seen. The oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good movie. That's great. Movie. But, one of my favorites. Um, but no, with the landmines, I mean, you're basically just like digging a trench, like inch by inch through a field, like yeah. for for hours. Well, I mean, for days, <laughs> years, really. It's crazy. Um, I'm trying to vet some of the questions, but um, yeah, get rid of the boring ones. I always love it. When Ooh, asks here me a we go. I've never heard. Would you would you rather live without cookies or your van? I <laughs> see that's by a good the question. way. Okay, that person. I wins. need some that person, points here. That Alex person Hall. wins. Uh, I saw that you liked cookies. too. Did you bring cookies? I brought a New York special. Whoa! And I don't know if you have any diet restrictions. No, well, as long as it's not this like a pork is cookie. A Nutella chocolate chip cookie sandwich. Holy shit! I saw it at a cafe today. I don't I, know if it's going to be good. I didn't no, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save, save it if you want. Yeah. This, is, this, is, this is amazing. But part of the reason that... You did that just I, win some points. Okay, good. Well, I, I think it. I should win a signed <laughs> copy of your book. Yeah, yeah no, you can, you can have a copy. No, I have one. Um, <laughs> um, no, okay, so I think I would rather... I think I'd rather get rid of my van than never eat a cookie again. Get rid because of the van. Because the thing is, I need a new van soon anyway, because mine has like over 200,000 miles, and okay. I'm getting tired of the fact that I can't stand up in it. Uh-huh. I don't know if I want to live in it for like five more years. I'm starting right. to feel a little ghetto. Right. There's a lot out there on Alex's van. Just Google it if uh, you want to find um, out more. But yeah, that person should get a free copy. Okay, Eva or Ava, you get a free <laughs> copy of Alone on the Wall signed. Um, if you could email <laughs> Ben like at Um Hopefully it's just Eva that sends me that email. But um, Oh, let's see. Bobby, Bobby French says, oh. have you ever gotten naked during a climb? Um... No. No. Though somebody has been pressuring me to climb El Cap naked, to do the first naked ascent of El Cap. Is that, because, is that something you want to do? No. Like, I don't <laughs> want to do that at all because you get so chafed and sunburned. just totally worked. I'm like, why would anybody want to do that? <laughs> but um, but I guess to be the first, you know. Does uh, does Bobby French win a book? Um, you can be selective. We have ten more minutes. Okay, questions. no, yeah, let's so, let's let's so give him a book too. Then give him he a book? always comments on my fan page and stuff. Okay. I feel like he's he's devoted. He's a true fan. <laughs> yeah, 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 he deserves I, one. Uh, yeah, I kind of <laughs> I feel bad, you know. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why you're not supposed to give me names. Though. I'm not supposed to be biased. Oh, I'm, I'm supposed sorry, to be judging quality. I'm sorry. Okay, not a name here. This is you're performing American Democracy over there, where it's all just by name recognition, like the oh, third. Oh, here's bush. a fan. Here's a fan of Mountain Meister. I won't tell um, mm. tell you his name. Discuss how you think you will adapt when you are physically past your prime and what your life will look like at 65 years old. See, that's a good question. Yeah, give that guy a book. Okay. I'm into that. Good. Jordan Chappell. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I think I have your email, Jordan, um, but you've just won a copy of Alone on the Wall. Um, I like that he assumes I'll live to 65. I appreciate that, you know, because <laughs> everybody's always like, you're going to die young. Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, I look at, like, a lot of my climbing heroes and climbing partners. I mean, people like Conrad Anker or Peter Croft, who are both, like, fellow North Face athletes, mm-hmm. and I've climbed with them both extensively. Um, and they just still doing the same stuff. They're still just climbing all the time, maybe not quite as hard or maybe not, you know, quite as much. But um, they're still, you know, they have families. They have, like, a nice, nice home somewhere that they love, and they just, like, climb all the time. You know, that's, like, my ideal. 
you know, I don't need to be climbing like hard 514 my whole life or like soloing big walls. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll be stoked to just like go solo 56 in the mountains and like hang out with the family or something. I'm so excited about this Nutella cookie. <laughs> it's like combining yeah, I, two of the best I'm, things. I, it was tough to not eat it. I know. I'm surprised you didn't while you're running <laughs> right. across town. That's uh, yeah. I had an epic getting here. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we won't talk about it right now. <laughs> Ooh, oh, I like this one. You don't have to like it though. What was the most negative thought that crossed your mind when on a wall? How did I'm you gonna get die. over it? Oh you, God, I'm gonna die. You're gonna die. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I've really had like full on like wow, I'm about to die. Um, I'm sure I have. I don't know. I mean, honestly, my most negative thoughts climbing are typically like, why am I doing this? This sucks. I hate this. My feet hurt or yeah. like whatever, you know? This, well, this um, was kind of a question I had that I forgot to ask you is why, like, have you ever questioned what you're doing? With rock climbing? Well, yeah, with climbing and then also... Though typically it's not the rock climbing that makes me question. Typically it's like the interviews media. and like the work stuff and like the presentations and just like the bustle. Or actually it's the flying. It's the travel. Like, I mean, even today I like landed at LaGuardia and then I sat on the runway for like 45 minutes for no reason. Just like because the plane is, you know, whatever. Because there was traffic on the runway. Mm-hmm. And then and then I had this weird experience with the taxi and then I was in traffic for like, you know, another 45 minutes or more or something. And I was like... Finally, I got to my hotel at, like, noonish, and I was like, wow, I got up at, like, 6 this morning to start transit. And I was like, why have I done nothing for the last six hours just to, like, move somewhere? I'm like, that's so annoying. Do you, but do it's you just, have an you know, option to get out of it? Like, could, could you really scale it down? Or Yeah, of course I could. I mean, I could not respond to my email. I could just say no to every event. I could right. say no to every speaking thing. I mean, of course I could be like, no, I don't want that. The thing is, I've chosen right. this. I mean, you know, I could have not published a book, obviously. Like, this yeah, is my right. choice. And I knew that, like, publishing a book would you know, involve a ton of craziness and a book tour and all that. But in a way I'm sort of embracing that because it gives me a much longer climbing career, you know? And so I'll be able to climb hopefully my whole life. Um, hopefully I'll never be like, you know, laying concrete or something at the age of like 47 being like, man, I should have played my cards differently. Mm -hmm. You know? So, I mean, I'm just sort of like trying to capitalize on my opportunities so that I can go climb my whole life. We'll see. What do you think? Um, yeah, about? Give, give that person a book. Okay, Donnie. Donnie, you have won a, a copy of Alone on the Wall, and I, I believe we have one more um, to give away. I think so too. Okay. But if not, I'm sure I can sign one more book. Right. If I, right. I overpromise. Let's I, see some of the new ones. I hate that, to underdeliver, you know. Oh. Uh, You're just picking out your five best friends as you scroll down the right, list. Right, right. Well, <laughs> yeah. some of them are like really long. Like, I don't want to read you that whole question. Yeah, you're right. This is too much. Okay. <laughs> See, look at the next one. It's a single line. That's my kind of question. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> like, okay, oh yeah. Gosh. Justin, uh, what is the most difficult aspect of the life that you lead? I feel like you've gotten that question before, though. Yeah. Yeah, though any question that allows me to just complain about traveling for a while, like, makes me feel great. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but no, no, give me, give me a better one. Okay. <laughs> uh, what challenged like, you more during um, Sufferfest, the climbing or the cycling? Um, the cycling, I suppose. Cycling. Um, just in general, cycling is like way more of a physical grind, whereas climbing, I'm like better adapted to it. And it's just like, it takes a lot for me to get really, really tired from climbing. But you know, if I go for a six hour bike ride, I'm pretty worked, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but that doesn't win a book. That's it doesn't pretty, win a book. Okay. No. Um, it's a good question though, but what does it, I, I think that's what made Summerfest so hard for Cedar was that the climbing was grinding him down and the cycling was grinding okay. him down. Whereas for me, the climbing all felt like rest day climbing. And so the cycling was like the only thing that was really beating me down. Right, right, right. But, um, how about what do the cameras and media on the wall mean to your headspace when you solo? 
And what do you think about the way they've been portrayed in the non-climbing world, good or bad? The way what's been portrayed in the non-climbing uh, world? I would assume All you're, the free solos. you're free yeah. solos. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, if there are a bunch of cameras on the wall, then obviously you're not like totally free soloing by yourself and that's why most of the things that you see in videos i've gone back and and filmed on later Mm -hmm. you know so many of them i've free soloed once and then like the next day even i'm back up there like shooting video and redoing certain pitches um but you know that way i can preserve my experience which is what i care about you know Mm -hmm. like having some amazing time on a big wall and then i can still like get good media and now what about the the (coughs) people that are filming you do you ever think of like I, no, I mean, everyone Cedar I work with it, is it, always, like, a good friend of mine, so it's, like, going up with your buddies and, like, hanging out on the wall all day. It's, like, super fun. Wasn't there some trouble there with uh, Peter Mortimer, I think, early on? Wasn't he a little nervous about Oh, I mean, some of the... Yeah, yeah, that's, that I anecdote's guess, like, in the you, book. I mean, some of the people right. I've worked with are, like, very nervous to be up there. But, um, but I mean, that's that's fine. Like, Brett Lowell is, like, a really good friend of mine. He's one half of uh, Big Up Films. Yeah. Um like, he and his brother Josh, like, do big up all the dosage movies, and he's, like, an amazing climbing cinematographer, but he's, like, he's just, like, a little nervous about about exposure. Like, I don't know. Do you, do you say anything I mean, to him? Like, what's the conversation that you well, have Well, so he's, him? like, hanging there, and I'm soloing, and he's all, like, gripped watching me, and I'm just, like, oh, no, Brett, it's fine. Don't worry. Like, deep breaths. You'll be okay. Uh-huh. And, I mean, he's, like, hanging on a rope, and I'm, like, holding on. <laughs> right. But the thing is, I'm, like, extremely comfortable because I do that a lot, and I, like, know what I'm doing. And Brett just, like, doesn't want to watch that, you know, <laughs> because, you know, I'm a friend and he, like, doesn't want to see me right. fall to my death, like, right next to him, which is totally understandable. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's fine. It's all just... The thing is, like, the ex- particular encounter that I'm talking about with Brett, I mean, right before that, we both hung out on a little ledge, basically, like, sitting in each other's lap, trying to, like, hide in the shade, like, waiting for the wall, waiting for the sun okay. to change. And so we hung out for, like, two hours talking about, like, life and everything, you know, just, like, chilling. And then it's like, okay, it's time. The sun's down. And so then we, like, get him in position. And he's like, this is scary, you know? And, I mean, like, it's just nice to be able to share that whole wall experience with him, to hang out with him, to chat for a long time. And then just because he's, like, all – just because he doesn't want to see me die, you know, that doesn't, like, take anything away from the the nice time we had together. Yeah. Anyway, I like Brett. Okay, yeah, one more good question, though. Okay, one more good question. Um, Oh, I, I really like this one. This is just a very uh, simple question. Um, I, I'm rather new to rock climbing, and last week I sustained a shoulder injury, which left me physically oh, unable I, to I continue that I read that one. That I like that one. I that really one, like that guy question. gets a book. Plus, yeah. now that he's like in physio trying to put his shoulder back together, he may as well reach for a bit. <laughs> right, right. Um, okay. I, I think it's a great question. Yeah, what so I've never, I've never been that worried about sustaining a, a, a climb ending injury while on the climb right. and I think part of that and I actually thought that in his question he sort of answered himself that he's new to climbing and that he just okay. had this injury uh-huh. I mean I've been climbing since I was 10 and so I think I'm like quite a bit less likely to have some like catastrophic injury totally unexpectedly mm-hmm. just because like my body is used to like making these movements um, I've never really had any kind of I mean I've blown some I've pulled I've, I've blown pulleys in my fingers before um, but even that's not like catastrophic, like, oh, you're going to fall off like instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the stuff that I'm soloing is like within my comfort zone enough that it's not like I'm cranking as hard as I can. Right. It's not like my fingers are just going to explode under the strain because it's not like I'm pushing that limit so much. Yeah. But, um, yeah, basically I'm not that worried about it. Risking injury isn't one of the variables that you're really worrying about. No. And actually right? until I read that question, I don't think I've ever thought about that. I've okay. never been yeah. like, Oh, what if I like sublux my shoulder on a move? I'm like, that's like not even in yeah. my realm of possibility. Right. But if it happened, I'm sure I would figure out a way to deal with it very quickly. Excellent. You know, I mean, 
in one way it would just be to like hang out there and basically like hang there and yell for help for like a day you know like as long as it takes you can just like hang on and be like help me you know (laughs) i like joe can we can we give joe yeah yeah yeah, okay joe you're the you're the final winner of uh alone on the wall good i hope your shoulder heals yeah (laughs) yeah good luck with the shoulder do some physio um thank you so much alex for coming on the show today yeah of course we had a lot of people asking to get you on here well Um, there you go best of luck with the rest of the tour yeah it's gonna be a long month i can't wait so all right thanks for tuning in everybody bye-bye you want to click that uh whatever this is the classic wait is it off is it off dude i did an interview yesterday i'm going to share this anecdote with anyone watching yeah is it is it on what's oh that's unfortunate (laughs) now we're on (laughs) yeah get rid of that Yes, indeed. As Alex said there so eloquently at the end, the live never worked. So sorry again to anybody that tried to join the live discussion but couldn't. Totally my fault. Fortunately, we got the audio, though. If you want a book, email me, ben at mtnmeister.com. I'll also comment on your comment on that page that we had Alex's interview on. Um, Also, read on our blog what happened before this interview. It's really funny. Go to mtnmeister.com slash blog. The article's called Expedition Honnold. All right, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Mountain Meister. I hope you enjoyed and enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do while you listen to the podcast that explores the minds of those who explore. I'm your host, Ben Shank. You've been listening to Mountain Meister. <laughs>